Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson. So at year 10, we almost lost our marriage. Oh, great. You're going to bring that up? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if I've asked you, but I know the answer. Do you regret that you put so much time and energy into this, like, call to start a church? Do you have regrets about that, those years? Uh, The right answer would be yes. Well, I don't want to hear. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm kidding. But of course, I mean, I was chasing hard mm-hmm. after it was easy to say God's call yeah. and spiritualize it, which it was, it was, but it also was, I loved walking on that stage and seeing lives changed and the spotlight was on me. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't want to say it or see it mm-hmm. then, but mm-hmm. it was true. It's pretty awesome to walk up there and they put a mic in front of you. sort of like mm-hmm. right now. It's like people mm-hmm. actually listen to what... We have to say it's ridiculous, mm. but there's endorphins, there's things that happen, and it becomes addicting. Like, I'd rather walk on that stage than walk in the front door and not know what to do and have a two-year-old in my arms, which sounds terrible to say, mm. but you don't feel the same thing about that. And mm. so, Which is interesting that you felt like you didn't know what to do with a two-year-old, but you did know what to do on the stage. Yeah, I, I bet entrained. a lot of people feel that. Yeah. yeah. So why are you bringing that up? We have some great guests with us today. Josh and Christy Straub are with us back in the studio. Welcome to Family Life, you guys. Thank Thank you, you. guys. We always love being with you. Because this is stuff you don't really hear people say. Mm. They feel it, but they don't say it. And I just, speaking from a younger generation, like we need to hear you say it. Mm. Thank you. Our generation, we have not seen the vulnerability displayed, Mm -hmm. and it peels back layers, like we were talking about before, you know, for a mom to feel not alone, for a dad to not feel alone, when you share your experience, like, and I hear, I'm like, this is repeating in our (laughs) lives, and you don't feel crazy, and that, Mm -hmm. you need people like that around you, so thank you. Well, we love you guys, and your ministry, Famous at Home, is so God-centered about that is the place to be famous. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I worked in the NFL for 30-plus years, and they're famous people. Mm -hmm. And every day I'd be like, no, they're not. They're Mm -hmm. just men, you know. It's like, why in the world do people put their posters on the wall? We are the ones that need to be famous in our home. So that's Mm -hmm. the heart of your ministry. And the book that we're going to talk about today is actually called Famous at Home. I love the seven decisions to put your family center stage. Mm-hmm. And that's what you were asking right. about. It's like, what's center stage in your life in a world competing for your time, attention, and identity? Yesterday, we talked about where you opened the book with, we all are on a chase. Mm-hmm. We heard Christie's chase, <laughs> which, you know, we could all relate to. Mm-hmm. Josh, I didn't know a lot of that story. I didn't either, Josh. have been with you before that you wrote about in your book. Your chase has quite a journey to it. Yeah, it really does. And it's wild because you don't realize how far back some of these things go in your story when you're actually in the middle of the chase. And and to be quite honest, I don't even know that I would have said I was chasing. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a lot of times what we have to recognize as well is like, oh, what what am I chasing? And I think 
so I had this pattern of working really, really hard and then burning out, crashing and burning out. And then I'd work really, really hard and then I'd crash and burn out. And there's a, there's a number of different stories that connect to this. But I remember getting to a point where I'd do like weekly therapy, right? So I'd go to somebody and see somebody on a weekly basis. But I was paralyzed in this one particular season by overwhelming fear and just burnout. And I mean, it was at a point where Christy, she was just like, you're different. Like something's not like you need to, you know, irrational fears, all that type of thing. Is that what you mean by burning out? Like what did that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, when I say crash and burnout, basically what I would get to is I would get to a point where I lost focus. I lost vision. I lost passion. But what it would do is it would put me right back at work again because that's just where I found my identity. It's It just felt safe. All right. We, when we're not feeling safe, we go to what makes us feel safe and work just felt safe. And never mind, we could get into business talk about what productivity and busyness. Like I wasn't necessarily being productive. I was just <laughs> maintaining busyness because it felt safe. Mm. And so I remember calling my dear friend, Bill Loki, and um, I said, Bill, I was like, I'm seeing this as a pattern now and it's affecting our marriage. And I, I really need to go to somebody and, and see a therapist. And he said, Josh, he said, I would really encourage you to do this six day intensive because he said, I think, you know, you shut your phone down, you, you go away. And, and I was like, oh, wow. So I, I hang up the phone. He said, you, you'll do nine to 12 months of therapy in six days. Wow. And um, there's a place called Onsite outside of Nashville. And I said, OK, I was like, well, let me get permission. Uh, let me talk to, to Christy. And at that point, I think Christy was just at a point where she's like, oh. go. So I went and I remember sitting in this group therapy session and it went back for me to this place of when my parents divorced and my parents got a divorce when I was 10. And I remember my mom coming in and it was like six o'clock in the morning, six oh four in the morning. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I put all the details in the book, but she came in and she said, Josh, I'm moving out today. Do you want to go with me or stay here with your dad? And I had never seen my parents fight. I'd never seen them argue. I had no clue that this was coming. Like this was ah. a blindsided, you know, hit. And I had done a lot of therapy around that moment and a lot of healing and reconciliation with my mom and, and all of that through the years. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm good, you know. And my dad was always in the stands for me. I can count on one hand the number of wrestling matches he missed because he couldn't get away from work at the, in time. Like he was always in the stands. But in that therapy moment, I had completely forgot about the driveway scene later in the afternoon that day. And what had happened was I watched my dad come home and find out that his wife was leaving him. And... I remember us as a family just all standing there, hugging, crying, and there was this... Um, How old was your sister? My sister was eight, so I was 10. My sister was eight. She's two years younger than me. And I remember this exchange that happened where I, I chose to stay with my dad because I, I watched the pain in his eyes, and I thought, I'm going to do everything I can as a firstborn, fix her in the family. I end up becoming a counselor. Uh, most counselors <laughs> go into therapy because we need it, um, and, you know, so uh, I was I was not the exception. And so I saw this pain. I thought, I'm not going to let this happen. I don't want my dad to be hurt, so I'm going to stay with him. It was kind of like me. There was never a verbal exchange, but it was kind of like me as a 10-year-old going, Dad, I'm going to take care of you. Mm. So my dad was always physically in the stands, but in big emotional moments, my dad, he himself, and, and as I studied our family history, 
my grandfather didn't know how to be there for my dad in his big emotional moments. So though my dad gave me the best of everything that he could and what was given to him in big emotional moments in my life, my dad didn't give me that. It wasn't like he, there was an exchange of no son, you're the son, you're 10, I got this. Because later then in life at 19, my dad's second wife leaves and I'm out buying all the furniture and I'm out taking care of my dad again, right? And so wow. like there's this, so this sense of responsibility back to the group therapy, I'm sitting in there and my buddy who played little Josh in this scene is all these responsibilities. Um, our therapist, uh, blessed Mary, she's unbelievable. Um, she was putting all these responsibilities that I had in my life as pillows onto his hands and they're stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And I'm watching all these responsibilities stack up and this little Josh mm. fall under the weight of all of them. And I'm just weeping. So then she's like, okay, Josh, now I want you to sit there. And so all of a sudden, all these pillows are on my hand and I put my hands on my knees and, and my buddy it looks at me and he goes, dude, you can't do that. Like actually <laughs> hold them up. Like you have to you feel the weight. Yeah. You got to feel the weight of this. And I just lost it because I realized my chase in my life was all about making sure everyone around me was okay. And, and I was just in all these responsibilities and all these responsibilities. So when she's saying, you know, in our conversation yesterday where she said, why don't you ever ask me about what's on my heart? For me, I'm doing everything I can. And so when I feel like I'm not taking care of her and I'm dropping a responsibility here and I'm dropping a responsibility there, my chase kept leading me back to work. So I would just get busy and I would withdraw from everything because I felt like I was losing control of it all. Mm. And so that was my chase. And so today I have a lot of accountability around me to make sure that I don't fall back into that level of feeling like I have to have control of making sure everyone around me is okay and holding all that responsibility. I mean, Christy, have you watched that change? Yeah. I mean, he's not crashing and burning like before? Or? Yeah, it's funny. You know, we just got back from a three-week trip. We went, my family's all in Canada, and we went up to Canada, and that was beautiful. And I watched him for the first time. I could cry. Just leave work behind. Mm-hmm. Like, took three weeks, y'all. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he just was present he just let it go and we came back and normally that would be like then overdrive right like you've been gone three weeks like we got all this stuff to do it was like a whole different josh that was playing in the middle of his work day and he'd go out to lowe's and go pick up stuff to you know fix this in the house or whatever and yet he was more productive in his work time and i'm looking at him like i was like i love this josh because i see the real you like you're living Mm, again in freedom in freedom totally and i just as a wife not just like it brings me life but it makes me so proud of him because i know how hard he's fought to get there but also the amount of awareness and Talk about just countercultural. Like, it's just to fight the tide that tells you that more work is better. Like, somehow that's a badge of honor to be exhausted and burnt out and tired all the time and busy all the time. And to watch him walk through this fight to recover a version of him that's fully alive Mm. is just, it's brought, and let me say this, it's brought the whole family to life. Mm. The kids me like you watch that and we talk about it in the book the the atmosphere of your home and the environment of your home the transformation of what your home feels like and that's what we mean when we say the atmosphere I mean you know what an atmosphere is you know, when you walk into like a friend's home always like every home has a smell mm-hmm. but there's an atmosphere both spiritual natural but you know it could feel tense or chaotic or peaceful or and you leave feeling a different way than you came and 
it's transformed the atmosphere of our home. And I am, I'm just really proud mm. of you. You Thank guys, you. we probably all have a chase, do we? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I think so. I think Tim Keller talks about this. He talks about how we're all spiritual addicts. Mm -hmm. We all have idols in our lives, right? We all have things that give us significance that, you know, give us some sense of affirmation where we're seen. And when we feel unseen or we feel insecure, we feel unsafe, we turn to those idols. And I think we all have them. And I think we all have things that we turn to to numb out from the realities of life. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, Those things can serve us really, really well for a season, Mm -hmm. but there comes a point that it doesn't serve you well anymore, and you have to say goodbye to it in order to live fully alive. For me, I wanted to live fully alive because the research shows that our children will not outgrow our emotional or spiritual maturity while they're under our roof. And so... And, you know, and when they go out and they have coaches and teachers and all that and people who are mentoring them and pastors, then they can grow. But under my roof, I want to raise my ceiling so that I'm raising my children's floor from which we get to launch them out into the world, both emotionally and spiritually. And so if I'm walking around burned out and fearful, my kids are going to pick that up. There's mm-hmm. a there's a trickle down effect generationally for those types of things. As Christy was talking about the atmosphere and I was like, I am going to do everything I can to change. To me, that's what being famous at home is about mm-hmm. is changing your generational patterns. As I said earlier, from my grandfather to my father to myself. And to me, there's no greater honor to my dad and to my family lineage than to take what he's given me and to level that up for my kids. Mm, that's really good. Let's talk about entering our children's world. Mm. I thought the story with that, that you shared about the woman in the ho- who had a child in the hospital. Mm. She had a five-year-old that she was dropping mm. off to kindergarten. Will you share mm. that? Yeah. 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 So that was a, you know, it, it's fascinating to me how we get so busy that we tend to look at our children's emotions and their behaviors or we see their emotions as, or their anger maybe as disobedience. We see their behavior automatically as like, oh, you're being disrespectful, you're being disobedient, and we just punish the behavior Mm. as opposed to going underneath and what's going on in behind our child. And this woman had come to me and she said, you know, my child is, you know, I'm dropping him off at kindergarten and he's like reverted back to this uh, separation anxiety thing where he's physically hurting the teachers because he's kicking and protesting me dropping him off. And she's like, I don't know what to do about it. And so I asked her about the other kids. One of the biggest things I ask is like, when did it start and what went on or what was going on in that season of your life? Like, did, was there any major changes, you know, especially to his life or that type of thing? And One of the things she said was, well, she said, I have an older child, he's the middle child, and then I just had a baby, and my oldest was in the hospital, and so I was spending a lot of time at the hospital, and I was nursing the baby, and so the middle child just was, you know, I was trying to get time with him and that type of thing, and so I was like, okay, so... Uh, Stanley Greenspan, who is a um, big researcher, has this thing called floor time where you spend 20 minutes of command free time a day with your child. In other words, you enter into your child's world. You don't do what you want to do. You do what the child wants to do and you don't dictate the play. You you know, you enter the child's world and play what they want to play. And and I think this can go, 
you know, from infants to toddlers to mm. teenagers. Oh, yeah, definitely like, yeah. teens. And, and mm. even your adult children. Yeah. Like, hey, what do you want to go do? Let's go. Do, I want to enter in your world. Show I hope me what they you're say learning. golf, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just said to her, I said, is there any way you could get 20 minutes a day with just him before you got to the hospital, you know, before the baby was up or whatever? And she said, well, she said, you know, he is up before everybody else. So she's like, it'd be a good time to do that. So she started spending 20 minutes of command-free time with him right away in the morning, one-on-one attention. And she said within a week, he wasn't kicking and screaming anymore. Wow. And I'm not saying that's like the magic cure-all to everything your children are dealing with, but we're already famous at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the most the most famous people in the world to our kids are us, and they just desire our time and attention. And when we can just take 15 to 20 minutes a day, enter into their world, do what they want to do, learn from them, it just changes things. I've seen that as a parent. I remember mm-hmm. one of our, I think it was our youngest son, you know, and our life is busy. We're going all over the place. And and he was just acting out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like thinking, am I not disciplining well? Am I not? Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't go to, am I giving him enough of my time and attention? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. looking him in the eyes. And I remember thinking that same thing, Josh. I'm just going to go. And I said to him, Let's, what do you want to do for 15? It was, for me, it was just 15 minutes. This is before dinner was just this chaotic time. Mm -hmm. And so we started playing basketball and he, you know, and for 15 minutes, that was this. We just, we talk and play and we, that's it. He was, it was unbelievable. Like, that's it. He just needed me to see him, to know him. And that was 15 minutes you remember. Yes. I think that's what's been profound for me is seeing how much that time I'm doing it for them or, you know, I think I'm doing it for them. (laughs) And then, you know, we have this thing at the end of the day where it's just like, what's your favorite part of the day? And I remember my son asking me one time, what was your favorite part of the day? And I realized it was the time I'd spent with him. Like, it was the time, like, one-on-one. And I think part of it is I felt like a kid again because I wasn't trying. You think of, as a parent, how much transactional communication we have with our kids. Like, okay, sit down, the dinner, and then the kids go get your shoes directive. Like, we're we're being like camp. I always call it camp counselor because you feel like you're just like... You know, being a camp counselor and getting everyone organized, but you're always telling them what to do. But in order to, you know, get into their world, like you don't get to be in charge of that. That's Mm -hmm. their world. And it actually feels really good as a parent to not have to be in charge for a minute and to just let them take over. And you play things that like creativity, like to go into like imaginary play and stuff. I'm like, oh, (laughs) it's so painful. But there's something in you that comes alive. Like, you just have to kind of lean into it. Like, I just want to be like, let's build something or, you know, do something constructive. But it is the thing that I will remember at the end of the day. Like, that was that was worth it. I think with our teenagers, that was true, too. Like, we would be butting heads. We may be getting into some arguments. But I would take them, like, once a week, we just do something that they wanted. And I remember in that time, we'd also have something to eat. But it was the time that I wanted to speak life into them. Mm. Like, I see that you're struggling, but I see this is who you are. I'm Mm. amazed at your gifts. Like, I can't wait to see how you impact the Mm. world and friends. And you're amazing. And it, it was amazing. It was a balm to the relationship, and it brought us together in a way that was pretty remarkable. Yeah, we even had a when they were little boys, so about the ages of your kids right now, uh, once a month, I did a boys' day out. Whereas, like, it really, it started as I'm going to give Anne a break for the whole day, 
I mean, she could do whatever, but I'm going to have until four or five o'clock. And every time it was, what do you guys want to do? And so they directed the day and it was a special time. And all I would, all I would add as we end this one is we're old enough to be able to look back. I mean, we're probably 20 some years older than you guys. So we represent some of our listeners. You represent others. And all I can say is this. What you're teaching mm-hmm. and what you're talking about is all that matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can say this from looking back. I'm getting teary thinking about I'm it. I'm getting teary hearing you, you say know, it. You, yeah. Older parents would tell us, you're going to blink and they're going to be yeah. gone. And in that moment, we're like, whatever. whatever. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. There's you times know? where you're like, cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just didn't really believe them because you're up at night and, you know, it was yeah. just chaos almost every second. And now I look and go, they're right. You blink. And they're mm-hmm. off to college or off to their – and we have grandkids now. And being famous at home, mm-hmm. we can just say from wisdom, that's all that matters. Yeah, your walk with mm-hmm. God, your family. And mm-hmm. I chase things that really didn't matter. <laughs> and as a mm-hmm. pastor of a church, it wasn't that important compared to this. Those are your greatest disciples. Yeah. There's nobody else is more important than those two or three or five. You've got three. We had three. So I just want to remind parents, do whatever it takes to put your family center stage. And this book will help you do it. These seven decisions will put your family at center stage. And you'll be glad 20 years, 30 years, you'll look Mm -hmm. back and go, I'm glad I made that decision Mm -hmm. then because I'm reaping the dividends now. Mm -hmm. So thanks. Thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to us. Yeah. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you'd like to listen to today's program again, visit our website families.powertochange.org.au and select the podcast tab where you will find the previous fortnight's programs available. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today. Thank you.